Well, thank you for joining me today on Financially Speaking. My name is Mitch Slater, and I'm a Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with UBS Wealth Management in Westfield, New Jersey, where along with my partners, Anne and Crystal, we do our best to bring you advice beyond investing and address our clients' most challenging financial needs. It's my sincere hope that each and every episode of this podcast will educate you on personal finance and real-life business issues of the day. So let's jump right in. It's the era of internet advertising, the era of targeting that tracks you across browsers, platforms, and across the city, the era of apps that knows what you want before you do. So it's pretty surprising that a seemingly retro ad format, outdoor advertising, is also having its heyday. In fact, ads on billboards, buses, and major venues are expected to see close to $40 billion in sales this year. So why now, you ask? Well, I was curious, so I decided to invite one of America's top sales executives in this field to share her stories and more than 20 years of experience. So let's welcome Andrea Messimer-Henley. Thank you, Mitch. Pleasure to be here. Sure. Andrea hails from the Tampa St. Pete area. She's in New York today, and we're taping this episode at the Sasha Group, Gary Vaynerchuk's midsize business agency, where Andrea just spent some time with one of our past guests, James Orsini. Um, Andrea is the Senior Director of Sales at Adomni, is that right? Okay, a digital signage tech company whose mission is to make ads on digital signage easier to manage and purchase. Currently, they have over 50,000 digital screens across the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Australia. Clearly, our guest is a sign of the times. So... (laughs) That's a lot. It is. Thank you for that amazing... Intro, too. Oh, our pleasure. So I read in Vox, okay, a little industry paper there. Actually, not really. It sort of covers tech and everything else, that billboards are having a record year and are bigger than ever. But let's go back in time a little bit, because I love a good history lesson. And let's talk about the origins of the billboard industry, and, and then maybe take us up to the modern times. Sure. I mean, it's the back to the future type of advertising. It started, if you think about it, the cavemen used the medium to carve on rocks to give people directions. So it started, it's like the oldest medium that there is. When I got involved and started my career, it was, we were still hand painting billboards, which is something that's kind of come back. You see the paintings on the walls and and that. So what now takes maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes to print a vinyl if you have content it was 45 days for one billboard wow because they would literally hand paint it so the medium stayed out longer because of how much time it took to produce it and then that was back in the days when cigarette advertising was millions and millions of dollars sure sure So that's the start of it. I've seen the evolution go from hand-painted billboards to printed vinyl to digital roadside billboards. When they first came out, it's kind of interesting. Everyone said they're not going to stay, that they're going to cause accidents, it's distracting. Now they're everywhere, you know, in Times Square where we're here today. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're plenty in New York City. There's no shortage here. But they are everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So they are everywhere. I think to date there's 8,000 of them on the roadside. And then there's networks of upwards of 100,000 digital screens uh, in the U.S. So everybody's turning everything to digital. And what I've seen with the medium is it adapts 
right? You talked about the digital age and where we're at and the apps and Facebook and social media, but I feel like out of home is a good part of the media mix and it integrates. What we're doing at Adomni is offering sort of an MLS, list your billboards, what's your available inventory, so that's affordable, it's easy to buy, right? and it's all in one platform. Mm-hmm. And you can purchase it. So it's elevating it. It integrates with social and digital media. And then through geofencing, we can target people. What's, what's geofencing? Geofen- <laughs> geofencing, so you can really geofence. Any, it's like an invisible way to reach mobile devices, right? So you can geofence really anything. So whatever's on the billboard, the people that are within the area, like within like a mile or two, we can retarget them on their mobile device. All right, we're going to get to that because yes, that's something yeah. I really want to talk okay. about. I want to get to that in a few minutes. So, so let's just talk about some misconceptions about billboards. I mean, again, in many ways, you would have thought without sort of the internet age and when everything went digital, that that was a no more billboards. I mean, for me growing up, I remember the Coppertone ads and the little girl in the bikini yes. and the, whatever. And and those are the kinds of things that I'd see down the Jersey Shore. And those were the big billboards of the day. But do you find when you're out there pitching that people still have a lot of misconceptions and really don't understand what's happened with the industry or maybe still see it as what it was? There's two parts to it. There's people that swear by it and utilize it 100% because it's one of those mediums you can't turn off. You can't turn away from it. If you pass it one day and you miss it, the next day it's out there because it's a long-term medium. It builds brands in the digital age where there are so many digital options, which are great and they're effective. Out of home sort of is the anchor or the support to that. So people consume content many different ways. And not everybody is on the digital platform all the time. They're taking a break. They're driving by it. It's kind of like you have to tell a story, right? right? And we have celebrities that take their selfies in front of billboards, so it's evolved. Oh, there's a lot of stories out there. In fact, (laughs) one of my favorite stories, of course, involves Bruce Springsteen, which is no surprise to the listeners of this show. But back in 1978, when uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town, which is one of his biggest albums came out. Bruce and the band were staying at the Chateau Marmont in, uh, wow. in West Hollywood. And there was this giant billboard introducing the darkness on the edge of town and a great picture by Frank Stefanko, who I now know and is a very great guy. Bruce was supposed to perform the next three nights at the Roxy Theater, which is very, very famous in Bruce World, those shows. And he and the whole band went up there, and they climbed, and they just drew on it, and they just they just had all yeah. this fun. And there's Bruce Springsteen books, and in his biography, there's pictures of that. So yeah, there's always a lot of history. So I want to hear Absolutely. about your history. So what? You know, you don't wake up one morning and just say, "Hey, I'm getting in the billboard industry." What's what's your arc, Andrea? How, <laughs> oh how, did, how did you work your way? So I started the broadcast industry, mm-hmm. like you. Okay. And I was working overnights at a TV station in Michigan. And well, that, well we have that in common. Yes, I worked overnights too. Yes. And I was like, oh my God. Not uh, easy to have a life. No, it was not. And I wanted to be a news anchor. And, you know, I still want someday I'll, maybe I'll pursue that dream. Um, but I was working overnights. A friend of mine had walked in and she was selling copiers. And she said, you should come work with me. These hours you're working are crazy. And I said, all right. What were you doing in the overnight? 
were you? Uh, production. Production, yeah. Yes, production, mm -hmm. dropping the tapes. And exactly, <laughs> yeah. Like in and broadcast news, yes. you'd be the one yeah, oh, yeah. throwing it, was, it into the last second. It was very second. stressful because oh, yeah, it was absolutely. live TV. Yep. And yeah, it was one of those people that would screw it up mm -hmm. here and there. And you're like, what happened? Why are you showing the weather when it should be sports? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> but so I said, yeah, I'm tired of these overnights. I'll go back to broadcast someday. So I actually sold a copier to a company called Adams Outdoor mm -hmm. in Jackson, Michigan. Okay. And they Home like, of the best grilled yeah. cheese in the world. Yes, in Coney Island. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I had to go through the features and benefits of the copy machine and show them how to use it. Well, they were like, we love your presentation. When are you going to come work for us? I'm like, what do you guys do? They're like, we sell billboards. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> it's like a sign on the way to a rest area. Right. I had no idea there was a whole business behind it. What I loved about it, so I said, okay, they're going to be base salary. I'm no longer on straight commission. Yeah, this is like a dream. I was 24 years old. And I really liked the creative process. We would talk about people's businesses and sketch it out really on a napkin. Mm -hmm. And then see that image come to life on a billboard oh, uh, larger than life. Right. I love that. Sure. So I like learning about the business and then being able to see it hit the street. Exactly. So I kind of, I just got pretty addicted to the advertising industry and had no idea like where it would go. I wanted to move to Florida. There was a position open in Florida with Eller Media, which is now Clear Channel Outdoor. Right. Wanted to get my foot in the door. And then I really learned the business at Clear Channel Outdoor because of the market size and the opportunity. So I started to get really pretty good at it because when I moved to Florida, I didn't really know anybody. So I just would work late at night looking at past contracts and kind of engaging with people. But so what, were the, what were some of the billboards in your early days that you remember you were doing? Were they, you know, Joe Jones for city council or was it, you know, were they? <laughs> we have you know, a lot of, of attorneys in Florida, yeah, personal yeah. Better injury Better call attorney. Saul. Yes, better call Saul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has a billboard. Yeah, of course. <laughs> On top of his building, right? Yep. Yeah, definitely radio stations in Florida. There's a lot of tourism, beer, wine, beverages, so, Things yeah, to get that, people's yes, yeah. attention. Absolutely. So let's talk about the industry today. Okay. There have been so many industries and individuals that have used billboards over the years. So what percentage of billboards are digital versus Oh, that's a great, that's days? a great. Yeah. So in the U.S., mm -hmm. um, static billboards, are, there's about, I'd say about 400,000 of them mm -hmm. in the U.S. And then digital represents about 2%. Say there's 8,000 just roadside, what you see in Times Square, right. not the indoor networks. Right. Three quarters of them are still static. So I've, I've always been curious about this. Have you ever put the ad up on the billboard yourself? No. Or, 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 well, I'm sure you've watched <laughs> yes, them do yes, it. Yes. So I, I don't know. As a kid, I just yeah. thought it was magic. And, and to this yeah. day, I still am amazed how not a digital billboard can change, because we know how that happens, but how a real billboard can just... How long does it take somebody? Do they go oh, up and... Oh, that's a great question. So it's like a big bed sheet. That's mm -hmm. what I call it. You have to right. tuck in all the corners. It's, if you're really good, some of the contractors, installers can do it a full one in an hour. Wow. And put it up. They're pretty, they're re they used to be really heavy and mm -hmm. had to be brought up by a crane. And now the, the flex, it's called EcoFlex, is really lightweight. So the contractors, it's easier for them to carry up. It's about, 
I'm not sure what the weight is now, but I think it's like under probably 30 pounds or so. Probably going to quote it on that. So they usually get paid by the job. So right. if you're good... How many, how many men or women does it take to put up a billboard? Some, <laughs> it sounds like a joke, a but yeah. <laughs> I've seen... that We had a guy in Sarasota that was great. He could do it by himself. Wow. And he wanted to. Because he had it down. Do they to do it sign. at night? Is there? Is no. it always sometimes it's, seems like I, I don't know. I, I don't can't think of ever seeing anyone doing it. They go out really, really early in the morning right. because in Florida it gets so hot. Sure. And then in Michigan they used to go later in the afternoon because it was right. a little warmer. Right. I would go out on the site and watch them install them because I want to understand the entire business, and I would take them water or coffee depending on whatever the season was but because of that my billboard would go up first (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's an interesting business it is it is and i think i've shared this with you that actually my mom was on a billboard two years ago at 90 years old my mom who will be an upcoming guest on this show i promise mom at some point she was featured in a major ad campaign for jdate which is a jewish dating and matchmaking site and And I have to tell you, there was no better feeling in the world for her when I took her over to Junior's Cheesecake on Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn. And they've always had billboards there. I mean, it's just sort of one of the classic New York spots. And there she was with her ad campaign with a beautiful photo by Randall Ford of her on a computer. And I mean, it's an incredible thing to bring somebody to actually see that. It's it's just, just a gem and something that she'll never... You can't put a price on it. You really oh can't. yeah, she. I saw the yeah. picture and you yeah. showed me. It, yeah. was, it was amazing. Yeah. And we have a saying in the industry: "We can make you famous," and mm-hmm. that is true. Oh, absolutely. So, although it was a priceless thing for her, there's obviously a price to put up a billboard. Correct. So, I mean, I have no clue, and you don't have to share any trade secrets. But I mean, what range does like your typical, not digital, but your typical vinyl or whatever you say so the average rate across Mm -hmm. the united states taking the lowest market to the highest market is around twenty five hundred dollars per month Mm -hmm. that's across all mediums everybody in Times square you're looking at upwards of it could be a hundred thousand a month for one and a digital rotation so it's it's based on how many eyeballs yeah the impressions and exactly Times square where everybody it's a destination and Mm -hmm. there's more pedestrian traffic right so it just depends on where it is how much traffic there is Mm -hmm. and actually the location i think i say that every billboard has its own personality there can be a certain area it's not high pedestrian but it's very visible to the right people like on college campuses and so it just depends on yeah who the target yeah, who is ta- target yeah. audience and, and is these exactly. days billboards win Oscars I mean we had three <laughs> three billboards outside of Ebbing Missouri yeah. a couple of years ago it was an Oscar nominated film and it won awards for for most of the actors and actresses what was the buzz in your industry oh when my that gosh. was out there that was so great for our yeah. industry because you know it brought so much attention to it. And the way that they did it, like you talked mm-hmm. about with the copper tone ads, right. and they did it the consecutive. It was like a story, right? And three billboards. I think that's the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. That was Allison Outdoor, and they actually put those billboards up for the movie. They own an outdoor company, but they had to take them down because everybody was going out there. Right. And they didn't want them on the property, right, so of it, course. it was a huge buzz in our industry. So then we saw like some different influencers, YouTubers going on billboards. So it kind of 
brought attention and it's brought the sexy back. That's so great. That's so great. And, and now, when I was doing a little research, I learned that we call it billboards, but in the UK, they call it hoarding. Apparently. I, Did you know that? I had no idea. Apparently, that's billboards see, are called hoarding in the UK. <laughs> I was going to ask you if there are any other names around the world, but obviously, oh it's as maybe, maybe the research I did was incorrect. I'll have to ask. Because we uh, have a different term Dan, for Dan, that. Dan Swift, you were listening, uh, my, my British friend, a, a previous guest. <laughs> Let me know if that's correct. That is so um, funny. I did not know that. that well, let's, we'll have to fact check that one. Yeah, um, absolutely. So let's talk digital a little bit more, because uh, you know, obviously, billboards have gone that way. And I guess, what's the main reason that advertisers are flocking to digital? Oh, just because you can display so many different messages. It's almost instant. Like we talked about the vinyl billboards. It takes a couple of days to put up. And you can change out to creative. It's instant. And production cost is low. But having that rotation of visibility brings attention to it. People stand there and they'll wait. There's the traditional way that you sell is eight advertisers in a 60-second rotation. Mm-hmm. People literally stand there and watch and see at the roadside, you have time at a stoplight to see all of the ads. Mm-hmm. But that is changing to more of a broadcast schedule right. where people can buy day parts and it's more targeted. So, And you can be current. Obviously, uh, Atlantic City is one thing I think about where they're constantly changing the billboard, digital billboards because of concerts coming up. And yes. be dri- I know as you drive on the Atlantic City Expressway as you're pulling into Atlantic City, and I'm sure it's the same in Vegas, it's just a constant change of who's playing at which casino and, and what, you know. That is yeah. a good point. Yeah. The other one is the lottery, state lotteries. You can change. Oh, right. Yeah, the that's lottery true. changes. That's a big bill. That's in New Jersey. Yeah. That's a huge, <laughs> huge amount of yeah. billboards. Yeah, so they used to have to go out and early morning when it would roll over or change and take these big wood slats and change mm-hmm. them out. But yeah, it's more flexible for sure. So you mentioned earlier that in the 80s and 90s and probably even earlier, the biggest category for people using billboards were cigarettes. So I guess... I'd ask you what the biggest category is today, but I would imagine cannabis is probably going to be in there somewhere. Yes. At least in Colorado yeah. and California. <laughs> it's, when you go to L.A., that's all you see is cannabis, mm-hmm. and that's all you smell. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> right. it's like sight and, you know, right. scent. Out of home is right now the only traditional medium that I that is approved um, for this type of advertising oh, because of the FCC regulations for broadcast. Again, there's regulations per state. Like you said, Colorado, California accept it. Michigan is now going to be a state where they accept it because they've passed the laws there. Right, to legalize. Right. So there's a ton of money. You know why they passed it in Michigan? It's because of the Detroit Lions. I mean, they just (laughs) still haven't won a Super Bowl. We need something, right? (laughs) I mean, as I said, I've gone 35 years to that Thanksgiving game. So so they they need some cannabis. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, it's a huge, it's a new category. Obviously, it's what we've talked about is like the liquor industry and there's regulations of what you can advertise and things that we have to be responsible with it. But... There's no other really vessel except out of home right right now. So it's going to be huge. So in this, maybe, hopefully I got this research (laughs) correct, but I did some research and I saw that this 
OOH, as out-of-home industry, tends to be male-dominated, and that there's only about 15% women. Why is that? I don't get it, and I guess, you know, my question, if that is accurate, is what was that like for you rising through the ranks over the years? Sure. I didn't really... So it's kind of worked in my favor Mm -hmm. with the male... I feel like they're my brothers, in a way. Mm -hmm. I just connected with the industry, with... I looked at it as a, a career. I never looked at it as a gender. But why, why do you think it was so male-dominated? I know the I advertising think, agent. I mean, oh if you, yeah, you know, sure. we go back to the days of Mad Men. You know, obviously, you know, Peggy was one of the few to break through. Sure, um, but, yeah. So maybe it was the same way, I guess, in I think billboards. <laughs> because it started, and this is my thought, is mm-hmm. this medium started out with farmers. Right. And putting billboards on the land. And back in the day, men owned the farm. They were the farmers. It kind of evolved from there. I wish there were more women interested in it. It's a great industry. It's been very rewarding for me. I really didn't take a look around me like, oh, there's a lot of men or women. It was just something that I connected with and I really loved. So for me, it was just being successful at something I was good at. Not until this day and age when we have the Me Too that you kind of really start looking at, well, wow, my industry is male-dominated. However, I've never run across any inappropriate behavior or anything like that. I guess I just was too busy to even notice that. (laughs) Right, right. Well, you talked earlier a little bit about social media and how that has affected this business. So I I know you are a huge social media contributor yourself. You write, you're constantly doing different, very creative things on LinkedIn, for example. So what are your secrets to creating this personal brand that's helped you in your business life? I think going back to the male-dominated industry a little bit, as a woman in our industry, I stood out. And there was a lot of people that in my career... They would ask me for advice. How did you do this? How do you make this look so easy? And I felt like it's my time to give back. There was a void in the industry for a voice that was neutral. And so I just started writing articles about my experiences, and they got so much traction that I elevated myself in this industry where I saw a void. You know, like in social media, you see all kinds of influencers. Gary's one of them. He's great. I learned from him and things that he's done, and he's just authentic and real and can be relatable, and that's where I try to be. I'm not trying to be better than anybody. I'm just talking to people about my experiences and what's worked for me. Walk the walk. Don't talk about it. Actually Mm -hmm. do it and execute. Right. Just try to keep things simple. People overthink things. Right. And so my branding, I try to keep it really simple. I know people connect with photos. And it's more of an art than a science. So with the billboards specifically, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier that through the use of social media, they're tracking you. Talk a little bit about the newest technology that's come to your industry. You're going to Vegas soon for yes. a big uh, convention and conference. So what are some of the things that are, people can look forward to in the future or that are happening that people don't realize right now? Sure. I mean, the integration with the mobile, you know, everybody's on their phone. That's our third arm. Mm -hmm. The integration of the medium to be able to, you know, if you look at the billboards or where they're at, they're an asset. So being able to geofence around a certain location through the mobile ID devices, being tracked wherever we go. 
And that's one area where we can say, hey, you know, in a 24-hour period, if you're trying to reach women 25 to 54 who are gym goers, who go to yoga, who drive a Lexus, we can show you within a 24-hour period that that demo has been in the area of that specific location, whether it's outdoor in the car or indoor in a shopping center. So that's what's really cool because what you see on the face of the screen will be displayed and retargeted to you on your phone. And I would imagine it works both ways. So if you probably can create something on your phone and your iPad and within seconds have it up on the billboard. Yes, right? it's instant. Just yeah. like Facebook. Exactly. So right? as that's, as... a, that's a big plus. Yes. So if you need to send you know, any kind of a message immediately and you happen to own that space, you have quite an opportunity to do that. Right. So like, for instance, for your mom, you could mm-hmm. have said Happy Mother's Day. Exactly. And there's... It a, wasn't digital, <laughs> though. So there was some man that, or yeah. woman that got up there in the middle of the night and, <laughs> and put, put it, it up there. there. I really want it. I asked them, to, can I have it? I don't, I don't even know where it is. But, oh, my gosh. Um, we, I'd have to find out where it went we'll to. We'll have to find out what company is. Exactly. Because they, they store those in yeah. the back, too. Yeah. Not sure where I'd put it, but it just, I don't it's know. It's like it just a slip like, and slide. You yeah. can use it. As, yeah, there you go. That's a perfect idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, Andrea, thank you so much, first You're of all, welcome. for taking time today and teaching us something a little bit different. The billboard industry is something that, like I said, you know, we all see. We've seen for years now. We see all the digital stuff, and I was really curious how it worked. I think you've answered a lot of those questions, so I appreciate you coming to New York City and doing this interview. I want to thank James Orsini and all the folks at the Sasha Group for hosting us today and having us host the podcast here. And I want to thank everyone at Resonate Recording, as always, for all their post-production, to John and Lynette and everybody that's helping there. And we will be back next week with another episode of Financially Speaking. And remember, when it comes to saving, pay yourself first. 